0: Because it's not like the real world, you know what I'm saying? Where you can fight, but it's cool to fight because you can make up and have that make-up sex. You know what I'm saying? That angry sex. That sex with an attitude where you just lay on your back and let her take out all that aggression on you. All guys know that, man. That's that good sex. That's that pow, pow, pow. Let her get on top and she's going to punish you first, right? You've been a bad boy, huh? You've been a bad boy and I'm going to punish you. I'm going to put it on you you ever let me catch you looking at another woman yeah yeah i may forgive you if you bring it i think i can i i forgive i forgive oh right there right there you're hitting it my spot that's it right yeah yes yes i I forgive you i forgive you I, i forgive you i love you Everybody, welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy that doesn't take itself too seriously. And this week we are in week two of Dumb Guy December, featuring the Dark Council. Um, This has been a fun month so far.
1: Yeah, I'm liking (laughs) Uh, it.
0: (laughs) I'm liking it a lot. Getting to watch some really strange things that I haven't seen since I was in high school. Uh, Mm -hmm. Last week we did Shutter Island, and as we ran down. Uh, Last week, we told you we were watching American History X this week, and then Gladiator, and then Inception, and then Fight Club. So, some fun movies coming up. Uh, This movie, not very fun. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Very different than I remember it. Um, Yeah. Strange movie. But uh, (laughs) we will get to that soon. Why don't we get right into what we always talk about? at the beginning of the show, which is what else we watch this week. Jeremy, what did you watch this week?
1: Bryn, thanks for asking. Uh, as I talked about on the bonus episode, uh, I spent a long weekend in Arizona visiting my grandparents and uh, I was in a hotel. And um what do you do in hotel rooms after your son goes to sleep, but watch movies cut up for television. And it is, oh. of course, the Christmas season so everything that's on TV is a Christmas movie right now. So I watched two movies this week. I watched Home Alone and I watched The Santa Claus.
0: Now we've done. <laughs> now we've done the Santa Claus. We have done uh, the, the Santa show Claus before, <laughs> uh, back when we used to do Christmas movies for December. That's uh, right. Which Santa Claus has got to be one of the reasons we stopped.
1: Yes, uh, and it's uh, for those uh, who are not in the bonus uh, zone. Uh, we are currently amidst a multi-year project of ranking every movie we've ever watched and the santa claus sits firmly in column four the bad yes. column,
0: low um, column
1: yeah uh, yeah and, why uh, don't you go
0: ahead and head over to patreon.com slash generation laws and check it out
1: yeah you can learn all about the how there. we rank movies <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's the whole point of the show
1: yep uh how do we rank so 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 I rewatched the Santa Claus cut up for television, of course, and um, I gotta say, the movie stinks.
0: <laughs> it's the movie still of shit. fucking stinks. <laughs> it's a <laughs> real, a piece real of work.
1: Yeah, it's a real piece of work. Uh, it so for folks who somehow have not seen the Santa Claus, <laughs> the story, <laughs> the story of the movie is that uh-huh. Tim Allen is a uh, is a divorced dad and his son charlie uh is doing a you know partial custody thing with his ex-wife laura and her psychiatrist husband dr neil miller and uh you know dr neil thinks that uh uh thinks that charlie's too old to be believing in santa claus and tim allen disagrees and uh poor laura is just caught in the middle of this fight between these two men and um Uh, Charlie spends Christmas night over at his dad's house and his dad uh, burns dinner and fucks it all up and then uh, they go to sleep and Santa Claus, the real Santa Claus is on their roof and uh, he slips on some ice and falls and dies. That's right. The beginning of this children's Christmas classic (laughs) uh, is Santa Claus dies. (laughs) Uh, And then Tim uh, Allen that
0: doesn't it's not a big deal because there's a whole system for dealing with this.
1: Yes. There's a whole system for dealing with this. And that is, you know, kind of the crux of the movie is Tim Allen puts on Santa's costume and, uh, goes and delivers the toys with Charlie. And then, uh, when they get back to the North pole, they are, uh, met with a whole factory of elves. They meet Bernard, the, um, the weirdly, uh, The weirdly charming and and cool uh, Jewish elf,
0: <laughs> surprisingly entertaining. Look, just it's funny to see a, an actor who's a kid uh, mm-hmm. take over a movie from an established comedian, yeah. and just be like everyone in the audience, being like, "Can we have this guy movie? Yeah. Like, can we have a Bernard movie?"
1: Yeah, what we've got here now is the Bernard Show. <laughs> Get yeah. lost, Tim. Take a hike.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, Cr- David Crumholtz uh, taking over and chewing the scenery from Tim Allen. Yes, uh,
1: absolutely. Uh, and then the rest of the movie is uh, is kind of like a weird body horror sort of a thing, <laughs> where Tim <laughs> Allen like is slowly over the course of the coming year transforming into Santa. He keeps getting fatter. His hair gets white. His beard grows. And then uh, the next year, they go and they do, they do the real thing. You know, they 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 are Santa for real. And um, all throughout this, there's this, there's this like really depressing divorce thing happening, where like uh, they think that Tim Allen has like lost it and is trying to like gain favor with Charlie by pretending to be Santa and, like, making himself fat and shit. <laughs> so they're, like, trying to take Charlie away. They won't let Tim Allen see his son anymore. It's all it's fucking wild. It's a divorce wild. story, yeah. It's a divorce story. It's a lot sadder than you remember it being. It's a lot more disturbing. Um, And, yeah, I yeah. mean, it's definitely not a great movie by <laughs> any means. But, well, I again, think
0: the, I think the problem is is that it kind of takes santa it takes tim allen's side for most of the movie and mm-hmm. really makes the mom out to be a like an awful bitch like she's like
1: yeah. for not understanding are? something that's impossible to understand you know like <laughs> she's like she's being such a fucking bitch for not believing that tim allen actually is becoming santa through some sort of sick magic <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's psychotic Uh, Fellas, don't you fucking hate
1: when your cunt ex-wife won't believe that you're being magically dark magicked into
0: Santa? (laughs) She never trusts you about shit. Uh, Yeah. But then in the second and third (laughs) film, she believes.
1: She believes, of course, Uh, those like divorce dad Facebook groups where they're like with like divorce memes about like, uh, you know, bitch wives not letting you see your kids. But it's all about
0: Santa. But it's Christmas.
1: It's Christmas. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And
0: then and then Judge Reinhold playing the uh, the effete psychologist Mm -hmm. uh, new boyfriend who. Just gets shit on, like absolutely dumpstered through the whole movie yeah. <laughs> for doing nothing. Yeah. Uh,
1: Dragged behind the car till he's nothing but a bloody stump.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just for trying to be nice and like take care of For being the a kid normal and, like,
1: guy, Charlie is too old for Santa. He's absolutely fucking right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's the, the parents are right in every way. Tim Allen is being crazy, uh, except yeah. that he isn't. And he gets to. He gets to be right in the end. Yeah. uh, Because Santa exists in the movie. Uh, Stupid movie. Hated it. Um, Yeah, very
1: stupid movie.
0: (laughs) How's Home Alone hold up?
1: Home Alone holds up big time. (laughs) That movie fucking rocks. Wow. Um, So, again, folks, if you somehow haven't seen (laughs) Home
0: Alone, (laughs) Christopher Columbus, uh, a a
1: classic Columbus joint. Uh, written by another another little indie uh indie darling, John Hughes.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Home Alone is a John Hughes joint.
1: Yeah. Uh starring Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, uh Catherine O'Hara, John Hurd, John Candy. Uh, John Candy's in it. Well, he's not a star, he's just in it. No.
0: He's just in um, it. Um
1: and absolutely steals the fucking show, by the yeah, way. Yeah, of course. Um but so the story of Home Alone <laughs> is that. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin is, is the youngest child of his family. He feels
0: kind of... <laughs> Are you cracking up at just the idea of recapping? Just the very Ola. idea of summarizing the story
1: of Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> so Macaulay Culkin is the youngest child of his family. He feels bullied by his elders. Uh, his brother Buzz is kind of an asshole too. <laughs> <laughs> so he makes a christmas and his wish his
0: uncle his uncle, is, uncle uh, is a, is is really a huge dick too.
1: yeah uh, his parents aren't super nice to him either uh but i think you're supposed to be seeing it from his perspective or whatever so they seem meaner than they are or whatever but anyway he makes a christmas wish for his family to disappear uh and then uh in the middle of the night through some sort of christmas magic the power goes out uh and um their alarm clock doesn't go off. They're going on vacation to Paris, by the way. They're going to spend Christmas in Paris, uh, so their alarm doesn't go off, and they're late to the Richie airport. Riches. And they 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 go and they rush and they rush out the door, and they forget to do a good head count of all the kids. There's a lot of kids, uh, and they forget sure poor are. Kevin at home. So he's home alone in one of the wealthiest Chicago suburbs, and uh, I've and ever seen yeah I love this by the way every every year around this time of year like it floats around on Twitter where they're just like somebody will like Zillow the the Home Alone house and they'll be like oh my god I thought they were supposed to be normal middle class and you're like what are you fucking stupid <laughs>
0: Okay, it's all over that movie.
1: <laughs> you are a fucking baby brained fool if you were thinking that. They literally They, they
0: live in a mansion. Yeah, also, Joe Pesci, would... when
1: he walks in there, is like, oh, hubba hubba. There's a uh, lot of <laughs> expensive stuff in here.
0: <laughs> they're probably, I think they literally said they're loaded. Yes, Don't he they says say they're loaded. The phrase they're loaded. Not to mention, there's all
1: sorts of class indicators all over the place. You know, uh, Kevin's dad is paying for everybody in the family to fly to Paris. That's like 20 fucking tickets overseas. They're sitting in first class. (laughs) He wears a Burberry jacket. You know, Catherine O'Hara has like a Chanel bag. Like, these are fucking... They're rich. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's not surprising. And also... That kind of like a little bit tips the tweeters' hands there, being like, I thought this was normal. It's like maybe yeah. you grew up a little mm. richy-rich, you know what I'm saying? Why don't yeah. you shut your fucking rich mouth?
1: <laughs> yeah, before I um, shut it for you.
0: <laughs> you stupid whore. Uh, <laughs> you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so they, anyway, so, yeah so they go on they vacation. They leave Kevin <laughs> at home.
1: They realize right away they're on the airplane when they notice that he's not there. Um, and then it's kind of a two pronged story here where, or I, I would say it's three basically. Uh, two of them are Kevin's stories, one of them is Catherine O'Hara's story. Um, uh, but Kevin is kind of like being independent on his own and kind of learning how to live life on his own. Uh, you get a lot of like really fun, cute, like precocious things where like he goes to church on his own and he meets the scary guy next door. And they have this very like sweet conversation where he's like, my my daughter doesn't come to visit me anymore. And or my son, my son and I got in a fight, so I can't see my grandson, my granddaughter anymore. And Kevin, I don't remember what it was. It's something about the oh, it's the furnace in the basement that he's scared of. And he, like, has this, like, very right. stern conversation with him where he's like, you know, I was always scared of the the furnace in my basement. And, you know, like, I, I just had to overcome it. I had to, like, just, you know, just put myself out there and, like, really go down there and and, and be cool with it. And, like, the old man is, like, really intently listening to him. <laughs> and he's like, I think you're right. I think that's what I have to do. I just have to face my fear head on. <laughs>
0: Thanks, eight-year-old Kevin McAllister. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Random child. <laughs> so you get that, and then... Um, right, he's scared
0: uh, of that guy, though, too, right? Like, the shovel yeah. guy. He yeah, because Buzz
1: tells a- him he's a serial killer.
0: Oh, right, right. He's just an old um, man.
1: He's just an old man. Um, And then, so the B-plot, or I mean, really, the A-plot of the movie is that uh, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern are burglars, and they are breaking into Kevin's house. He sets a bunch of traps that uh, he hilariously has had this plan laid out. I guess like he has this big paper that he rolls out with like his battle plan on it um, that he's like drawn sure. out. He sets all these traps and you get a lot of fun slapstick comedy around them. And then truly the 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 shining jewel in this uh, in this crown of this movie, uh, which you know I feel like is getting a lot more play in recent years, uh, is Catherine O'Hara's journey back to to get to Kevin. So right. she like she stays in the airport, she like flies overnight, and then she like flies to somewhere else. It's a very planes, trains, and automobiles sort of a thing where she's like finding different methods of transport to get herself back to Chicago. Uh and at some point she's like in the back of a U-Haul with John Candy and his polka band. Um and you just get <laughs> yeah. some of the fucking funniest like 80s 90s improv comedians just like I mean John Candy and Catherine O'Hara are two of the funniest fucking people of that era and the two of them are just Absolutely. riffing their fucking asses off that whole <laughs> that whole scene apparently is is completely riffed they just are really? they're just going off each other yeah just making it up on the spot John oh, Candy's on awesome. this whole story about like uh like leaving his son at a funeral home
0: <laughs> like, oh yeah
1: he's like i never left him when i went on vacation but i did leave him at a funeral home and like he was there all day next to the dead body and he didn't know he what there to all do day.
0: All day. <laughs> 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 i love the way he delivers that line i think mean, that yeah, yeah, the, yeah. that scene is like so fresh in my mind i haven't seen that movie since in like 20 years
1: mm-hmm. definitely um, recommend so a rewatch. Good. it really really holds up um yeah, I think, yeah a lot I of the comedy kid, is, is very good <laughs>
0: As a kid, a lot of it, uh, what sticks with you is the the torture of these men uh, Mm -hmm. and the traps and the sort of like cartoonish violence uh, as he's defending his home. But I think as an adult, yeah, there's a lot more like I'm remembering like when Catherine O'Hara is like in the airport trying to get. I don't remember. Oh, she's trying to like bribe this other couple for like a airline mm-hmm. ticket or something. She's like, look at these earrings. These earrings are worth like this one And like, we yeah, don't yeah. need jewelry. Uh <laughs> like <laughs> uh she's got lots of earrings, dangly ones. Uh <laughs> yeah, it's uh there's a lot of funny stuff in the movie and a lot of heartwarming, nice Christmassy stuff. My under- my confusion is like, how on earth do they not have other rich friends who they can just be like, "Hey, you're staying in town. Can you just go oh, get our kid and like take care of them?" They get this.
1: They get to this right away. Uh, they're going through their Rolodex. their are fucking old school, early '90s Rolodex, calling all their neighbors, and they're all on vacation too.
0: All of them. They don't yeah, the have any ones- friends.
1: Well so they are they are traveling with their whole family. So everybody who's related right. to them is already in Paris and then all of their neighbors and they 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 touch on this even sooner than this when Joe Pesci is casing their house and then he's out in the car with uh with Daniel Stern and he's like so all of these houses out here uh like these ones are all on vacation and he like knows when their timed christmas lights come on and he's like pointing and like these come on here these come Ding. on here these come on Ding. here and yeah. um yeah, so, I mean, it's like, uh, yeah, it's Still it's well explained in justified. the movie. That's yeah. great. <laughs> it's right, surprisingly good. tightly written. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, Cause yeah.
1: Because I, I was watching it and I was like, I had forgotten this whole element of like uh, Kevin making the Christmas wish that his parents would go away. I forgot about that. And then I was like, um, I, I'm watching it and I'm like, well, this doesn't really need to be here. Like, why does it have to be this? Why does he have to make this wish or whatever? And then at the end, when she comes back, after he makes his Christmas wish for them to come back, I'm like, oh, man. Like, yeah, it's perfect. It, it adds so much to it, uh, emotionally speaking.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because he's been he, through this whole he-
1: trial without them. And he's like, fuck, I really miss my parents. I really wish they were back. I am so sorry that I did that. <laughs> and then she comes back. Um, yeah, good ass movie. Definitely recommend a rewatch. Um, what did you watch this week?
0: I watched the 2023 David Fincher film The Killer. Oh starring uh <laughs> been meaning to check it out. Starring uh oh Tilda Swinton. I mean really starring Michael Fassbender, uh, but it's got Tilda Swinton in it. It's got quite a few people. Uh lost my little place. Uh it has Arles Howard, Charles Parnell, classic Terry O'Malley. It's it's really a one man show uh, Mm -hmm. with Michael Fassbender um, as the killer. Uh, Mm -hmm. So this is a movie. All right. Well, so we'll start off. I really like David Fincher. Um, I feel like in recent years he has gotten his star is sort of waning. I don't know if you feel that way, but I feel like there's more criticism of what he does and how he does it, Um, Mm -hmm. because he was on top of the world in the '90s and early 2000s um, with Seven, The Game, Fight Club, Panic Room. Always felt like a little dip into sort of a weird genre picture, but then came back. He came back with uh, Zodiac. Yeah. um, and just one of the best movies of that decade. Um, and I mean, and I then, didn't like
1: Benjamin Button, but that was a big hit. That was a big hit. And Social Network is fucking awesome.
0: As we've said, one of the better movies of that decade. Didn't see Girl um, with the
1: Dragon Tattoo.
0: So the only Gone two Girl fucking
1: rocks too.
0: The only two movies I haven't seen of his are Dragon <laughs> Tattoo and Mank. Um, yeah. There was a lot of discourse about Mank. I did not read any of it. I don't know anything about it. Uh, I He's an executive
1: producer of Lords of Dogtown.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that probably means he just like gave his friend a couple hundred thousand for the movie or whatever. But... I wonder. Um. So, I also really liked Gar- Gone Girl. Um, mm-hmm. That's a he. He was sort of doing this little run here where he was doing uh, like airport book movies. Yeah. Uh, with with the girl with the dragon tattoo and Gone Girl, but the thing is, is like I feel like he brings something else mm-hmm. to these stories, and like try, kind of transforms them into uh, critical pieces. That I I I'm not gonna shit on the Gone Girl book. I haven't read it. Yeah, I was um, gonna say I
1: can't say I've read it,
0: <laughs> but from what I understand, it's a bit of a you know sort of light thriller. Um, but that movie takes its tone and the way it's shot and he makes it about something a little more interesting and this movie is very very similar uh this movie kind of takes its um takes a note from le samurai the Jean-Pierre M- uh, Melville film um from the 60s uh I don't I, I think I've talked about it on the show before I don't I don't know if I don't think you've seen it but it's the same guy who did mm. um Le Cercle Rouge. Okay. Um, he did this movie about a assassin who is sad and <laughs> has this sort of like weird thing happen to him where he's like decides not to do a job and and p- tries to protect this girl and but is a very lonely sort of weird guy. Um, and this movie is taking that. What I love about Fincher is that he comments on stuff without directly saying anything like he's able mm-hmm. to take these issues in like in popular culture like with gone girl about like you know social media and cancellation and um, pro- um paparazzi and how the media treats people and how that sometimes the truth is not as important as what sells but he right. never like ever preaches about it. Like the sh- the movie is like designed around keeping you understanding those things without trying to cast any real judgment on anything. Right. Um and so this movie is about on the surface is about an assassin who is supposed to do a job, assassinate some guy uh seems like a very very rich, possibly politician, and accidentally fucks up. Mm -hmm. And because of that, there's sort of a John Wickiness to it. Um, He basically tries to go back to his hideout in the Dominican Republic and finds that his girlfriend has been assaulted and, and almost killed. Um, And he was supposed to be killed. So it's him, finding the boss of this sort of like business they call him the lawyer um he's the guy you call when you're trying to hire uh an assassin so you start Mm -hmm. to like through you what's great is it's 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 set up in this way where it's just like stuff just starts happening in the aftermath of him fucking up and through that you learn like the way this sort of institution works where it's like no one's allowed to talk about the fact that people hire assassins. Um, so there's all these different ways of it getting covered up and uh, how you have to go through people to get that and who it's available to um, and why. Um, but that's all just in his interactions with these people who he are now trying to kill him. Um, so he goes to the lawyer and then deals with him And then he goes to the two assassins separately that were trying to kill him in the Dominican Republic, but failed and assaulted his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just like five or really six different scenes of like the beginning is him fucking up. The second is him going to the Dominican Republic. The third is him finding the lawyer. The fourth is the first assassin. The fifth is the second assassin. And the sixth is the guy who actually hired him. And dealing with that, mm-hmm. so it's it's very like episodic. Um, yeah. And before I go into why I actually really liked it, it's just really fun. Like, yeah. this is a very the fun action movie. sequences are good. The action sequences are fucking killer. Like, nice. Not a not a punch. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, um,
1: I was gonna let it slide.
0: I didn't mean to. Uh they are awesome. Uh there and there's really only a couple. There's not that much action in the movie. A lot of it is um, as we've talked about, uh sort of Le Sucle Rouge uh confidence porn, where sure. he's just very good at doing stuff, tricking people, getting into places. Uh his like process is just like meticulous and detailed and very realistic. Um mm-hmm. so you just get to watch him do all this stuff. But what's funny is so so the movie is just fun to watch. Um and one thing I saw reading like letterbox reviews is a lot of people are like, this is very light, fair. Like, sure. um I don't know if I agree. Like I I think you can watch this movie and get nothing from it except that this is about a guy who kills people and then him getting back to not having people after him.
1: Sure.
0: Um, so it's it, you can look at this as John David Fincher's John Wick, because um, it's a very similar type of movie. Um, the thing is, is that what we have over the entirety of the movie is his incessant incel cell grind set ramblings uh-huh. <laughs> about how he is like above it all and doesn't care, and you have to trust no one, and he's alone, and and you know you have to preserve your body, and like like it's it is not an accident that he sounds like the most annoying bullshit blue check Twitter guy who sells muscle milk on online. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, he's just a hateable guy. Like he's not cool. And what's fun about the movie is as the movie goes on, he just gets worse and worse as, at his job. Like he he like keeps just making these weird mistakes. Sure. And this like one thing sort of fucked him up. And he's just this ruthless asshole. And it really feels like um it kind of has the same political worldview as eyes wide shut. Okay. To me. Like it has this sort of like in Eyes Wide Shut, Tom Cruise is a doctor to the fabulously wealthy, you know? Mm-hmm. And the story is about him sort of finding out that he is not rich. Like he is someone who is serving the actual elite and yeah. their insane behavior. And this is sort of the same movie. Like it's a sort of, it's a movie about a guy who ex- has a ton of wealth and a ton of like prestige in what he does and feels like he's. But he's like constantly doing something that brings him no joy just to like get this money. And like he's he's it's sort of like the it's a movie about the plight of actually succeeding in Mm -hmm. like the upper upper echelon of class where you're like you're never going to be someone who's actually rich you're just always going to be like serving them and always like churning and like trying to get the next, like you're still just being exploited and and working, even though you're literally doing stuff that eats at your morality. And so the whole movie is him. You're just listening to him trying to justify why it's fine, right. um, that he's just murdering everyone the whole time. <laughs> uh, and, uh, it it's a really interesting movie. I thought I thought they're trying I thought he was that uh Venture is really trying to say something kind of cool about about what the society he lives in makes him behave like and the kind of people that it creates. Um but like Gone Girl, it's all under it's all subtext, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it the narration at first I, I'm not a big fan of narration. And I was a little bit like annoyed by it, but I really think it's, it's kind of necessary for what they're trying to do. That's um, in this
1: or in gone girl. Cause I was going to say that's it, it, very sorry, much like, in,
0: the, in the killer.
1: Yeah. Cause I was gonna say gone girl is very similar to that where like, I, I don't like the narration in it very much, but then suddenly you're like, Oh, but I guess I do actually like this.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's sort of, it sort of plays this weird trick where it's like, it feels lazy at first and then you're like, no, you need to be in this guy's head all of the time, because that's sort of the point. Um so yeah, I loved it. I thought it was a really cool movie. Um it it's not it's not a, you know, I wouldn't know I wouldn't say it's a classic, but it's uh it's a really nice one. It's it's very breezy to watch. Uh I had a great time with it, and I think and it it really kind of stuck in my head of like what trying to pick it apart you know i think there's yeah it's there's more to it than just the surface story as well and the surface story is fun
1: well i'm definitely going to check that out
0: I because i've been meaning to anyway (laughs) yeah check it out it's a fun time uh okay let's get on to our feature presentation (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this week we have. It feels American- good every time. Movies, <laughs> popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have American History X, directed by Tony Kay, a man who ruined his career because he's a psycho. Yeah. Um, <laughs> star from 1998, starring Edward Norton, Edward Furlong, Faruza Bulk, Elliot Gould, Avery Brooks. Um, and this is uh, Dumb Guy December. Um, yes. Where do we start with American History X? Where I do sp- you
1: start? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so before we go into it, what's your history with this movie?
1: Uh, I believe I saw this in high school for the first time um, on a VHS tape. And um, I liked it. I remember being like, wow, fucking heavy, deep movie. Um, I remember particularly being struck at the time by the fact that like all the all the skinheads were in like punk bands. Like when they go to the party and and you see them playing and I'm like, shit, that looks like a thing I'd be at. And it kind of like really like. Uh, it really hit me there in particular that I was like, man, these are just people like me, but they got turned around into this mixed up fucking shit, man. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and I think I saw it again in college. uh, And I was like, "Eh, this is kind of corny actually. And then I didn't watch it again until yesterday.
0: Okay. Uh, I saw this movie. I remember at a friend's house um, and it was sold to me as a very like edgy, like, this is too offensive for the straights, you know? Like Oh, this sure. Is like, this is like a insane shock movie. Um, and I remember thinking that it felt a little not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of had like a Dateline 2020 kind of like movie uh, feel. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't think I saw it again. I think I like thought it was okay. Um, I, I uh, didn't. It's also take movies that take place in L.A. feel like too close to home at the time. Mm-hmm. Like lots of movies when I was watching them as a kid, I was just like, "Oh, that's the diner I've passed." You know, sometimes right. you know, like it, it just feels like, "Oh, you're shooting a movie in my neighborhood." And uh, watching it this time, it was like, oh, this is in LA, and it feels very LA,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, in a very different way. Also, specifically in 1998, you know, yeah. um, so that was interesting. Um, I just want to say right up front, uh, I kind of liked this movie this time. Interesting. Um, I I didn't hate it. Uh, mm-hmm. I was I was pretty much coming into the because I feel like it's become a bit of. It's a dumb guy movie, you know? Yeah. Like it 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 has this sort of reputation now as a either you like it because you're a Nazi <laughs> and it has a lot of Nazi shit in it. Which is a um,
1: significant portion of its uh of its fans.
0: Right. Or you think it is uh you're stupid and you think it's like I don't know, like a good It's like so Interesting I, I don't actually yeah. know what what dumb people think it why they I mean I'd say
1: the thing that I hear it talked about most in like just online chatter these days is people talking about how there was this alternate ending for it where after Edward Furlong gets killed, um you see you know, you see Edward Norton, you know, cradling him and crying and whatever, and then it was gonna go to a scene back at their house where uh, you see like the family kind of all like crying together and then it would go into the bathroom where you see Edward Norton shaving his head again. And that was going to be the end of the movie. Okay. And so people are, people talk about, you know, how that would have been a more powerful ending to kind of, uh, to kind of represent this kind of like cycle of violence, uh, you know, kind of creating more violence in the cycle of hatred, creating more hatred and whatever. And so I think that's kind of like what people see it for now. Um, is it's a cycles movie
0: yeah i don't know if i really buy that i think okay so the movie is about uh derek vineyard he is a cringe nazi uh Mm -hmm. skinhead in in the 19 late 1990s um a very
1: 90s style skinhead Uh, Right, you know, a classic, you know, jacked, fucking, you know, shaved head, big swastika on his chest, sort of a skinhead.
0: Yes, and he, uh, he is sort of in in a gang, sort of. He's in the white power movement, punk, uh, red red laces kind of guy, punk movement in uh, in L.A. in the nineteen ninety eight. He comes from. Very clearly a bit of a fucked up home life. Uh, mm-hmm. His mom is very sick. His brother is also following him down this path.
1: Yeah, their dad um, is dead. He was murdered. Um,
0: he he was murdered by assuming a black guy.
1: No, um, no, no, no. Because they like in the newscast, they're like, how are you blaming this on black people? And he's like, well, isn't everything kind of about race or whatever? <laughs> like, I think they don't know who kills him or something
0: like that. Um, no, no. It says in Wikipedia it was black drug dealers.
1: Okay. Um, well, in any event, um, yeah, their dad was murdered. And like their economic situation is such that like they it seems like they live in like a two bedroom apartment. Um, The daughters get one room, the brothers get the other room and the mom sleeps on the couch. So it's like not a not a super hot living situation.
0: Right. They don't have a lot of money. Seems like Derek is sort of the main breadwinner in the family at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure they get some sort of nice pension from because he's a firefighter, right? But they're not not doing too hot. Um, so the movie's told in uh, non chronological order. We start with Danny, the little brother. He's you know becoming a skinhead, and his um, black teacher at his high school, who is played by um, Cisco from Deep Space Nine, uh, Avery <laughs> Book's. Dr. Yeah, he's.
1: Um, I think he's like a guidance counselor at the school or something like that. Because his teacher no, is a... Elliot Gould.
0: Oh, you're right. Um, so he t-
1: he hands in an essay on Mein Kampf to his Jewish teacher, Elliot Gould, and then Elliot Gould sends him to um to Avery Brooks's office. Um, and so I'm not sure if he's like a guidance counselor. He's maybe like a head of the department. I thought he might have been the principal, but then like Edward Norton talks about like being in his class. So I think he might be like the head of the department or something like that.
0: Right. So he is getting a stern talking to from his uh, department head, from Dr. Sweeney. And he's being like, look, I just want you to write something about like, what happened to you and why, how your brother's imprisonment affected you. Some, something honest. And so he's like, okay. So it's the day that Derek is getting out. Um, yeah. So through his paper... We're sort of told in black and white the story of him getting into being a fascist and uh, joining the disciples of Christ. They call the DOC. Um, And um, he, his father died and he kind of fell in with this group and then he became very like racist. There's a whole scene where they win the basketball court from black guys
1: yeah, they're the, they're the, like the
0: most unrealistic thing in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, they
1: like chill at Venice Beach uh, at the at the basketball courts and they're like playing in a in a game with. Yeah, it's just a pickup game. It seems like with black guys and then they are like, you know, if we win the game, then you guys don't ever come back here. No black people ever come back here again. They win um, yeah,
0: through the blessing of Christ, apparently. Um, but I guess it'll then, be.
1: It'll be important for later because we have to find out that Derek's a big basketball guy. That's how he's gonna. That's how he's gonna denazify later.
0: <laughs> Is he? Because they're talking yeah. about the Lakers and the Celtics. Yeah, because they talk
1: about the Lakers and Celtics later. That's their big breakthrough.
0: Right. So they, you know, there's lots of there's lots of political conversations talking about Rodney King and and the '92 riots. Uh, he's very very racist. Uh, point is is that at some point um the guys who he beat the basketball uh at basketball try to steal his car mm-hmm. and he summarily executes them on his front lawn with a yeah. gun and then the famous curb stomping scene. Um and then is uh gets three years for voluntary manslaughter.
1: Yeah. Um and I don't know if you paused it to read because they really I don't know why they gloss over this because it's actually really interesting. Is um, when uh, when Edward Furlong is writing his essay when I we did get pass. past that scene, uh, you get a little snippet of his essay, and he doesn't read it out loud. And if you were watching it in the old days, and he paused it, it would have made the screen all shaky and staticky, <laughs> so you wouldn't have been able to read it. But in his essay, he talks about how like. You know, it was this like fucked up traumatic thing that he uh, witnessed and how he like saw it in his dreams for a long time. And then the last sentence of it is he would have gotten life had I testified, Yeah, Um, which is a pretty key detail because otherwise you're sitting there. I always, you know, in previous viewings and thinking about the movie, I always was like, how did he only get three fucking years for executing people? Like, you know, you you can't shoot at people who are running away from your like even in states which California is not one of these, by the way. Even in yeah. states where you can kill people on your property, you cannot kill them if they're running away from your property.
0: <laughs> right. You and he definitely kills can't two kill of them, them running away. <laughs> by stomping on their head and making yeah. their face explode. Um, I mean, I, I feel that that part of the movie is like a little tip to like, he's white and the system is white and Mm -hmm. he got off much easier than he would have if it was anyone else. Yeah. Um, It's
1: interesting though, because at the same time in the scene, you know, in that scene, when he's being arrested and he puts his gun down, he puts his hands behind his head and he looks back at his brother and he smiles uh, you know, you get this like sick sort of moment where he's he's saying like, I I did it. I finally got to do it. Like my favorite yeah. little thing, you know, I got to do it. And then when he feels the handcuff on his hand, you kind of get the sense like, oh, did he think that because the police officers were white and it's a white system that he was going to get off light now, like that they were going to be like, good job. <laughs> you killed those crips.
0: I mean, um, he did like he does get off light. Uh, right. So, I mean. I, I didn't. I didn't take his his facial stuff there. Being like surprised that he was getting handcuffed, he just like is in an in a mania, um, right? Um, so he goes to prison. He uh, spends three years there. Um, well, that's in chronological order, basically. During after this sequence, we get more of uh, Danny and uh, what's going on with him, and. Uh, he, we get fast forward to the future where Edward Norton Derek has come back and him trying to like deal with all of this stuff. Cause he's not a Nazi anymore. He's had to come to Jesus moment or in this case a come away from Jesus moment and um, has been like, I'm going to try to like stop, you know, break off, um, break off my ties with the DOC and yeah, get my uh, brother out of it. There's a big punk show, big party for his return, um, which he tells his, his brother not to go to Um, he goes they both go anyway and he talks to this sort of like local Steve Bannon type guy who runs the uh, whole gang
1: um,
0: who is trying to connect who is connected all the the right wing fascist gangs and is like trying to basically have a little army and and, you know have a race war Um, very interesting the I love the conclusion of that character Um, as this sort of like more presentable fascist Mm -hmm. who, uh, kind of runs all this stuff. Um, and which is a very real
1: thing. Uh, that's a very, uh, that's a very common sort of character type in these sort of neo-Nazi scenes. Um, you have a very similar character in green room and you have a very similar character in, um, this is England.
0: Mm hmm. Uh, and you got to have a financier um mm-hmm. and a guy who's a true believer and knows how to talk to actual politicians and things. right but he's also you know, like
1: the he's the squeaky clean one who doesn't actually get his hands dirty with the actual yeah. you know stuff it's but a he's criminal like the intellectual who's who's you know right. kind of like feeding the philosophy to everybody
0: um and so he tries to get out and he's like fuck you I don't want to and 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 uh this this character whose name I'm for Cameron um is like you can't leave and they get in a fight and uh he tells his girlfriend and and everyone finds out that he wants out and everyone's really mad about it uh yeah. Ethan Suppley, uh the big annoying fat nazi uh pulls a gun on him and uh the party goes crazy uh he yeah, disarms he's him gotta and they find run away. his way
1: out um and then kind of yeah a little down the street uh, Edward Furlong catches up with him and he's like look man i gotta tell you you know the the whole the whole thing that happened um and i think actually somewhere in this sequence as well we get kind of like the longer bit of him befriending the guy who he does the laundry with
0: yeah Uh, because i think that's that's
1: separated that's separated from this next part uh where we find out about his falling out with the arians in prison right so so at some point he's
0: once we start talking it's all chronological order from prison
1: oh okay So so he gets his assignment for his like job in prison, which is he's doing the laundry uh, and he's he's uh, set up with a black guy. And at first he like tries to ignore him and just kind of be be a sourpuss and just never talk to him. But over time, uh, the guy is just very charming and very funny and kind of wins him over a little bit. And. You know, he does like voices, he does bits. Uh, they talk about basketball eventually, um, and that starts to get them to like really kind of talk to each other like regular people. Um, and then, meanwhile, he's like fallen in with the Aryan Brotherhood in prison, uh, but he keeps noticing that like the head of their little clique uh, does business with Mexicans, and he's like, That's fucked up. I don't like that. That's not, you know, ideologically pure. And they're like, yeah. it's fucking prison, my dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're trying to get by.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And he's like, well, I don't fucking appreciate it. And they're like, well, I don't appreciate you being a fucking pain in the ass, dude, and
0: trying to fuck up our business.
1: Yeah. Um. And then there's a so scene where them. he's pl- he's playing basketball uh, in a mixed game, and all his Aryan boys are like, "What the fuck is this guy all about?" Because he's kind of like started to become disillusioned with them. Because he's like, well, if they're not ideologically pure, why the fuck do I have to be? Um, right. So he plays basketball with the black guys because he likes basketball and he wants to play. Uh, and then they see this as like a uh, intentional diss, and they rape him in the shower.
0: Right. Very violently. Very. Very judging. violently.
1: Uh. And then he's um you know, he's hospitalized. Uh. And um the the principal guy the um the what's his name Avery Brooks. Comes and visits him and says, like, I'll, you know, put in a good word for you. I'll try to get you out of here early. But, you know, you got to fucking try to, you know. You
0: you got to try to.
1: You got to change and you got to try to, like, clear things up with your brother. And you got to try to, like, figure this whole shit out because I'm not fucking doing it for nothing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, he's very, like, you know, my my help is not is is conditional. Like you have to become a better person and like stop this and make what you did right. You know, like, um, which, you know, he comes, comes a knocking for him as soon as he's out, basically. And be like, you need to like help testify against that you're the Nazi friends and figure out what happened. And, um, so no, 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 no.
1: he's, um, well, we'll get to that when we get to it. But, um, but yeah, so he, he, uh, from this point on is just like, fuck, fuck white power guys these guys don't fucking believe in anything they'll turn on their own over some fucking business who fucking cares about this shit anymore uh, he starts growing closer to his friend in the laundry room uh, stops hanging out with the Aryans just sits there and reads all the time and he has this whole thing where he's like you know I kept expecting because I'm like alone now I'm you know I'm I'm a free agent I have no protection I expected to get fucking murdered by the black guys but they never murdered me um, yeah and then, um, and then he gets out and then he gets
0: out and then he tells all that to danny and Danny is like damn that sounds really tough i'm sorry and he's like we can't hang out with these people anymore they're all fucking crazy and bad and so they agree and then they go to school the next day and at, at the coffee shop before school avery brooks and a police officer is like hey we need you to like help us Find out what happened to your boys, and we need you well, get so what in on the inside, is, basically. Yeah, it's
1: it's Cameron and the fat guy get the shit beat out of them, and they're in like intensive care. And uh, I believe what's happening is that Avery Brooks is saying like I need you to go and talk to the Nazis to make sure that they don't retaliate over this. I think that's yeah. what they're getting at is like there's uh-huh. gonna be a huge fucking you know this is gonna just keep cycling violence. You need to go try to cool things off. And he's like, fuck that. These guys want to fucking murder me. <laughs> and they're not going to yeah. listen to me. And they're like, if there's anyone they're going to listen to, it's you. You got to go do it. And so he agrees to go do it, but he's like, i got to drop my brother off first, brings his brother to school, and uh, his brother gets shot and killed by, I mean, I don't think they explicitly state this, but I see in the Wikipedia that it's the little brother of one of the Crips that uh, Edward Norton killed to begin with.
0: Yeah, it is. But do they um, say so that? When gets- do they say that? No, they show him though. He, he was, um, He was in another scene with him, I think. Oh, okay. Um, uh, So, yeah. And then he dies, and then Edward Norton is just crying. And then it ends with the last little bit of Danny's um, essay about it. And how he doesn't think being so hateful is good anymore. Yeah. Um, So, before we talk about the politics of the movie, Mm -hmm. my feeling is the movie is beautifully acted the acting is really good yeah um sometimes
1: i think sometimes it's a little shaky Uh, i think edward norton when he's supposed to be young is brutal (laughs) 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 like the scenes where he's supposed to be a teenager i'm like come on (laughs) and you couldn't just cast another guy
0: (laughs) i while he doesn't look young i think he does a pretty good job uh as i don't know man
1: because he puts on like a he puts on this voice like he's trying to sound younger and he just sounds like a gay guy he doesn't sound like a kid he just sounds like he's doing a gay voice
0: (laughs) well you're like what are you
1: trying to do dude
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh that that didn't bother me as much but i I hear you it's and there's only two scenes where he's only two scenes um uh, but he's great. Edward Furlong I,
1: does a good job. Edward Norton, for the most part, is doing a fantastic job.
0: I think James Avery does an incredible job. Uh, I think uh, Elliot Gould does a fantastic job. I you think mean, the uh, acting... Avery Brooks. What did I say? James Avery. Oh right, I don't know who that is. Uh, Avery Brooks. <laughs> did you just make that up? <laughs> no, James Avery is somebody, but I don't know who. I he I think he's a he's a white guy. Um, it's a
1: it's a jewelry company.
0: Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, no,
1: it's an American actor.
0: Yeah. Is he an from.
1: He's from... Uh, oh, he's uh, Uncle Phil.
0: <laughs> oh, that guy. Not that guy.
1: Yeah, he's Uncle Phil. Um,
0: so Avery Brooks, I think, does a beautiful job. Uh, I really liked the acting here. And I will say that I think this, the cinematography and direction is really good.
1: Yes, um, I will give. I will give a hundred percent credit to that. I. It's
0: much was, better than I thought it was.
1: Yeah, I um, was very frequently just being like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> so good.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> so many shots looking. in this movie are really, really
0: incredible looking. The sequence, the 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 curb stomping murder sequence, uh, is very brutal and memorable f- to a lot of people because of the brutality, but like the shot like the slow motion black and white shot of Danny's face of Furlong's face Mm -hmm. as like, as he's like falling to the ground is like very clearly referencing the passion of Joan of Arc silent movie from the early 2010, 1910s. And it's like incredible looking. Um,
1: And, and uh, kind of a combo of, of cinematography and acting of like I referenced before the scene of, of, uh, Uh, Edward Norton kind of putting his hands on his head and and getting handcuffed really good looking shot but also just like tracking his face as he goes from like he like turns around he like has this like sick smile on his face of just like I finally got to do the thing I've been dreaming of doing for all these years I killed black guys this is incredible then he sees his brother and like he's like he knows the jig is up at least a little bit he's gonna get in some trouble and he like sees his yeah. brother, and he gives him this like little eyebrow raise, just like mm, yeah. I don't know. And then like they put the handcuffs on him, and he's like, "Oh fuck, this is going to be my life for a while."
0: <laughs> yeah, but like the menace and like mania in his face is so yeah. incredible. Uh, it lo- just the movie looks so good. Uh, mm-hmm. I-, I I was really surprised in the direction of this movie being. More like inspired by at once documentary footage as well as like silent films, uh in in the more like momentous moments. Um so I was really impressed with the direction and the acting in this movie. And I and I think uh it made me like the movie more than I thought I was going to, because mm-hmm. I think that. My perception of it was that it was a very liberal, uh, dumb <laughs> sort of take on uh, racists. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of the politics and the story of the movie, it kind of is.
1: It um, is more than that. I think this is where like some of my main criticisms of the movie come in, which is that, I mean... There's a reason why Nazis love this movie (laughs) is because for the most part, like the Nazis get to just talk and say all their shit. Nobody ever interrupts them. Nothing ever happens with them to like challenge them at all. And like almost every black character in this movie is like a, A a gang member caricature who's just there to say stupid shit and then get murdered or murder somebody. Um, right. The only There's, the only actual human black character is the guy in the laundry room. It's the only person at all. Well,
0: and and Avery Brooks
1: and Avery Brooks. S-Sweeney. Um, so I mean, that's that's troublesome. I mean, he's a big
0: char- he was a much bigger character th- in the movie than I thought too. Like yeah. S- Sweeney is like the sort of moral compass for the film. Mm-hmm. Um, as a guy who is dedicating his entire life to helping kids who are in this like miasma, some of which who hate him for being black and just like trying to help these kids. And I thought that was, it's very, very fair to him and, and good. but,
1: But my problem with this is that his devotion is to saving these individual kids, right? He's not actually like, there's no actual mouthpiece for, refuting any of what the white power guys are into it really takes it on good faith that that you the viewer are not a white power guy because if you are a white power guy there's nothing in this movie that's ideologically pushing on you at all the 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 big conclusion of this is that edward norton gets out of being a white power guy because he got raped by white power guys which is not something that most nazis are going to endure and then edward furlong gets out of being a nazi because his brother got raped and he's, and, and his conclusion of his essay is just like, Hey, life's too short to be mad all the time. It's yeah, just this yeah, very yeah. like individualized thing where like, you know, like other, like black people in this movie are seen as this kind of like this, this community, uh, this force, right. That, that is being reckoned with by the white power people and the white people are being seen as individual people who are making individual like very, uh, um, It's What is it? Myopic is the word I'm thinking of, right? Where it's like, it's very, Mm -hmm. it's very centered around their own personal experience of life. And that's just no way to try to refute, you know, white power ideology. Right. You know, again, it's it's like, there's a reason why white power guys come away from this movie being like, damn that was sick. Those white power guys rock, you know, I, I, all I have to do is not get raped in prison and then I can continue living (laughs) this way.
0: (laughs) Yeah. uh, I think it's, it's, it, it does not see the writing on the wall. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of of two minds. I I totally agree with you. Uh, But on, on the other hand, like, I do think there are, I think that the, what the, but the prison sequence is actually trying to do, and I think I agree that it fails in this, but I kind of think it is more what it was at least supposed to be was him actually interfacing with a white supremacist system mm-hmm. and being like, I don't actually benefit from this. Like, yeah, I, I think if there was a couple more scenes of him kind of discovering that most people in this place are there because for much less reason than he is and ha- serving more time and realizing like this is a system that this is the white supremacist system. I'm being fucked by it, but I'm one of the rare people who gets fucked by it. It's only because I'm being a psycho. right The people who it's really here to oppress and exploit are black people. Mm-hmm. And I'm just laughing in people's face. It doesn't actually do this. But I feel like it's a little bit more that. a little yeah, bit of a little bit of a little bit a little bit
1: I don't think um, that I don't think Tony K is a white power guy. For, no 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 <laughs> I,
0: But I I just mean that like the writing of the movie kind of is trying to show like what changes him is not meeting one black guy. I don't think mm-hmm. that's what the movie is trying to say and I don't even think it's about getting raped by white supremacists. I think what they're trying to show you without saying it is like, this is a white supremacist system already. Mm -hmm. And him having to interface it and have an experience, the thumb of that system on his head, uh, shows him like, this is bad. Um, and unfortunately I do think the movie fails at actually really getting that across. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's definitely a, a very reasonable criticism of it. I think but, w-
1: the, the movie that I compared it a lot to when I was watching it was This is England, which is a movie that we watched a couple of years ago now and yeah. which sits pretty firmly in column one in our ranking right now, uh, patreon.com slash generation loss. And um, I think that that's a movie that it's, <laughs> it's a, it's a thematically very similar movie, right? It's a, it's a movie yeah. about a young person being, kind of brought into a neo-Nazi gang and being kind of, uh, you know, pumped full of ideology and then eventually finding his way out of it. And I think that movie does a much better job of kind of, they, they and they both kind of hinge on the same thing where there's this kind of, this stochastic moment of horror that happens to the person that they then f- see like, it kind of just like lifts the veil on the whole thing and they can see it for what it truly is, right? And, right. and I think that that movie just does such a better job of Kind of uh, just showing like what what actually is there when the veil is lifted, you know, like that that actually does kind of present to you like, oh, this isn't like a fucking glorious movement for the white race. This is just some white trash guys beating the shit out of somebody, you right. know. Like I kind of feel like this movie missed that a little bit. Like if there and was I think, like, I think like, I agree
0: it, that it's also the, the problem is is that the only pushback we get is like in the process of him just not believing it anymore because of all of the system that he's in and the only real like real person who pushes back on it is this like kind of charming black guy in the in the laundry room and Mm -hmm. personifying that guy as one person rather than like him sort of having the ability to be indoctrinated some other way or like sort of latch onto anything else like there's no like you're, you're right that there's no actual other argument against it it's just like right. this is not the right thing like what is he gonna do now he's just gonna go and vote Republican or you know what I mean like yeah
1: it's just like it it, it doesn't have enough meat on the bone of like why does why, why does he see that it's bullshit now like you get these like very individualized things where like you know, he doesn't like Cameron anymore because he finds out that Cameron flipped on some kids or whatever. And he's like, OK, so I see what you really do now. You, you, you know, exploit kids. But that's not that's not refuting white power ideology. That's refuting this guy, Cameron, and the way that he right. structured his organization. You know, like and
0: I feel like I feel like I, I give it like it is really hard to make a movie about some people And then also make it about this like huge structure. So Mm -hmm. it it is a very difficult task, and I don't think it's super successful at doing that. And then also, like, it's just it's also 1998, and like fascists on the world stage were just like at the time, like people perceived them as like, uh. You know, poor people who are angry, and it's like yeah, and they were you a fringe to community. Connect, you have to connect this to the LAPD, and they don't mm-hmm. uh, at all. Um, I think it would have been much more powerful if this movie was like shown to because we know now, like at the time, like there's LAPD sheriff gangs who are like in these clubs yeah. and like were giving each other medals for killing black people and stuff, and it's like. Uh, I don't know if I can really hold it against them that they didn't know that at the time or didn't have that like complete analysis of the fact that we're living in a Nazi state anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just think the analysis is wrong. And 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 they don't do the best job of making a holistic like structural commentary which is what you really need because then you if you do it individually like this you kind of end up with like limp-wristed liberal like be nice to people and you know just don't be a nazi. Um, yeah. S- but it's it's not as bad as that is what i mean. Like i feel like that's an, it kind of arguing against a movie that it isn't. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's close, but it's trying to do something a little more on like educated and, and it expects you to get stuff. It expects you to like extrude out the it's, it's, it's structural ideas from the people. And I think that puts a little too much responsibility on the viewer. Yeah, Um, A lot too much responsibility on the viewer, obviously. Um, So I think it's, I think it's a miss politically um, and, and, and philosophically and, and uh, socially. But I do think the movie is pretty good. Like I was not bored watching this movie.
1: Yeah, I will say that I was not bored watching this movie. Um, I think I, I cringed a few too many times uh, at certain, like certain line deliveries and things like, uh, like when Edward Furlong is sitting down with the teacher for the first time and he's like, we'll call this, we'll call this class we'll American this class. History X. And you're like, what? <laughs> Why'd you call it that? <laughs> <laughs> does he say that? He does. Yeah. just he, like, like, and he's like tenting his fingers as he says it. He's like, American History
0: X. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't know what he means by that. Uh, what does uh, that mean?
1: What does that mean? Um, it's a cool title. Uh, it sounds good to say, but what does it mean?
0: Like uh, <laughs> it's a secret. It's a secret class. Or is it like is it a, a Malcolm X thing? Is, is it, it, like it a reference to Malcolm X? Yeah, not I don't know. Clear. Yeah, I thought I thought that it was. Uh, I don't know. I think that you're right. It's not the best movie of all time. No, uh, it is not a great movie by any means, but I thought it was watchable and had some real moments of very goodness. Um, and, and like pacing, editing direction acting, I thought were B to a tier. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It Definitely. is just that the story is a little limp lib to me.
1: Yeah. And uh, one final thing is uh, fair is a bulk. A nineties dime,
0: <laughs> Stone Fox, right here. A
1: First classic nineties dime.
0: <laughs> I think she does a great job.
1: She's very uh, good I think, in this. Yes, I think
0: she is a very believable, uh, as usual, and this is her whole thing. Uh, but mm-hmm. a very believable crazy person uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> who is just a psycho and you know a racist. Um, and she's great. I think she's really wonderful in this movie. Yeah. Um, I think all a lot of the acting is really good. A lot of the acting is really good. And really is, good. and,
1: and just is, a special shout out also to Edward Norton for, I mean, he really packed on some fucking muscle for this one. He looks also, so jacked. Also, it's insane.
0: <laughs> also, a, a motherfucking 10. Another a- 90s Norton dime, yeah. So hot in this movie. Uh, unfortunately he has a big swastika on him but he is a very good looking man but if you just
1: pretend uh, <laughs> that that's like not what it is you know like I think everybody pretty much agrees like it would be a sick logo if it didn't mean what it meant <laughs> 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 I don't think anybody would refute that
0: <laughs> uh, yeah that's true yes, if that's you could true. just
1: disconnect it from context you'd be l- like if that was just like a tech company's
0: logo <laughs> it you'd be might like as well whoa be. <laughs> nice one cool windmill (laughs) um yeah so i think it's i'm really torn because i I kind of enjoyed watching the movie i Mm -hmm. think that especially the end i think that we didn't really talk about it but like i think that this movie could have ended with them still in poverty figuring it out and then having like a couple more like him having to go do these things these things and like being put yeah, in the honestly presence of the I Nazis. wish
1: I wish we got we, to see him go try to defuse the the Nazis
0: we didn't really need Edward Furlong dying like I don't think that that really makes any sense like he's already had to deal he's having to deal with so much stuff and make his horrible decisions and terrible personality better uh, like I don't get what we're really getting from like oh and then a black guy killed his brother like
1: and then cutting after that like there because I will say oh, like yeah. I don't necessarily think that the alternate ending idea with you know uh with Ed Norton shaving his head again. I don't think that that would have uh, been a good ending to the movie at all. But I do I think like that, that there is something to be said for like you do need to see what the response is. You know you do kind of need to see like what does this mean to him you know post transformation. What does it mean to to have his brother killed by a black man you know. <sighs>
0: I guess. I, I. I mean. I don't. I mean. I. I guess you, you get can like look a at small like,
1: snippet of it when he says, "What have I
0: done?" Yeah, it is his fault, um, but it's also like, I. I don't. I don't. I think it would have been more interesting to just like see what it means to actually reconcile and like become a better person and like yeah. ask for forgiveness and like those would have been much tougher and more interesting scenes than the sort of like uh baroque slow motion gunshot death or i mm-hmm. uh, i think i think it's a little cheap and a little easy um yeah
1: kind of felt like and, they just needed to end the movie you know it right, kind of feels exactly. like they're just like well this got to go somewhere yes i don't know uh,
0: so i would say I would give this. I don't know. I think it's like a very light recommend from me. Yeah. Cause I think it's a interesting movie to think about. Uh, It doesn't land on its writing and in story, but it's definitely an interesting watch. And it's an interesting thing to look at where people were in 1998. I don't think it's as cringe as like some people on internet like to say, I think it, Is an interesting try.
1: Yeah, I think similarly. I'm giving this a very soft recommend. I think primarily, I'm giving it a recommend on um, on the visuals. I think the yeah, uh, it's beautiful. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Like really shockingly good looking at times, Uh, especially considering that this guy completely torpedoes his own career immediately after this. You're like, like I was watching the movie and I'm like. What did this guy do after this? And then I look at his Wikipedia, I'm like, "Oh my god." <laughs> <laughs> what a dumbass.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, he, if you don't know, he he got in a long legal battle with the studio and uh I think was New Line um and tried to just fight them and sue them and he's just, he's pretty uh pretty universally considered a fucking crazy person. Yeah. Um there's a, a primo, there's a-,
1: a primo uh uh like boondock saints guy level Hollywood crank character. Uh yeah. he spent a hundred thousand dollars of his own money to take out thirty-five full page ads in the Hollywood trade press denouncing Ed Norton and the producer <laughs> of the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh and he's made movies since then, but uh like the one about teachers with um with Adrian Brody, like <laughs> brian cranson like said that the said that he like he was like he's a very interesting guy and i feel like <laughs> he didn't respect the writing to the point where i didn't watch the movie um and he was like s- he was like grilling a reporter who was like oh you liked the movie that's very surprising to me i don't think that like he- people think this guy is nuts and i think that uh there's a good reason for it. Yeah, um, it seems like, seems like a nutcase. Um so but very talented in certain aspects, uh, very clearly. Um so yeah. Read about Blackwater Transit, his uh second feature film that has never been released. Uh <laughs> the <laughs> uh starring uh starring Lawrence Fishburne and Carl Urban and Aisha Taylor. Don't um, people like
1: his documentary, The Lake of Fire?
0: I think so. I think he's very talented. He's just a nutcase. Um, Yeah. So uh, go read that. Go do a little wiki walk on Tony K. It's very funny. Um, (laughs) But okay. Thanks so much for listening. That's American History X. Um, This has been Generation Lost. Thank you for listening to the show. Uh, If you'd like to hear more of our show... Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss where you can join the dark council you can join the Sopranos tier and vote for the TV shows or the movies we're going to watch uh, hang out with us in discord follow us on twitter at genlosspod and follow us individually from there and until next time that's movies that's movies, movies. <laughs> That's punk. That's punk. Fuck off! Can't catch a Take back your foot, What a man! They fight each other. The police state wins. Stop your bashing and trash our holes Grab your bag if you got real balls. It's nothing but the so cool Realize these a new school. And Unless you think